on this earth. And this is why, this is why I wanted to kind of show you this video because this is, this is a little bit of what I was talking about yesterday of what the earth must have been like before the fall. I mean, every once in a while with our pets, the reason we love our pets is because it seems like sometimes we just really connect with them. It's like they know what we're thinking and we know what they're thinking. You know, when a pet does something that, that makes you feel like they're almost human. And you have this video, right, where this guy learns how to pet the sharks and the sharks choose petting over food. I mean, I can only imagine that that's what it must have been like before the fall, before sin and the curse of sin and death reigned over the earth because of Adam. And so as we finish up this series on why bad things happen, I want to end it on a positive note. Some of this stuff is, I got a little bit of something for everyone. I like, I got something for people that like, you know, art and rhetorical poetry. I got something for people who are scientific. I got something for people who like theology. So this message is actually kind of challenging, but I'm really hoping that each one of you will give me your full attention because you've really got to follow what I'm going to lay out for you. Some of it, I admit, is theoretical on my part, but much of it, I believe, is clearly indicated by the gospel. So waves of grace. We've talked about these ripples, right? About how over the course of thousands and thousands of years of human history, billions of people have thrown trillions of rocks of their own free will in the glass pond, and it creates these ripples. And sooner or later, you have these ripples of destruction running into each other as all these people have thrown their own rocks of sin in. And we've talked about that. But then we talked about the idea last week. Could you imagine what it would be like? And we we discussed how the the Scripture says that sin yields death, right? And by the way, I put the wrong Scripture up there last week. I think I said, I I referenced 1 John 1, 9. I meant to reference Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, right? And so I want to make sure you guys understand that I, I made a mistake with that. But basically what I talked about last week is that sin results in death. And we also see that physically on the earth, we observe that time results in death, does it not? Time is really, for the most part, a countdown, a spiral downward measuring decay and death for us on earth. But then I presented to you this idea. What if you could drive a car for 10 years and it were newer than when you first got it? What kind of car would you buy? I mentioned that I'd probably buy the the nastiest clunker I could find. I'd probably buy Megan's car. <clears throat> so, I'm just joking, Megan. Don't be upset. If you're upset, email me at megmooney at hotmail.com and I'll, I'll go through it. But could you imagine what would happen if time no longer marked decay or time no longer marked a spiral downward, but time marked us getting better, redeeming? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to his purpose. And this is what we have to understand. Even in the midst of a world where clearly we explained why bad things happen. We talked a little bit about natural catastrophes and we talked about how a lot of times the pain and suffering that people experience is because man has used his free will for sin. We discussed that. 
But in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all this decay, in the midst of all this death, in the midst of all this destruction, there is a thread of redemption. There is a thread of grace. There are waves of grace and mercy. And Megan did a great job picking out the worship songs today. They all had to do with oceans and grace and mercy and things like that. It was just a perfect picture that she helped paint with the songs that she picked out. And in the midst of all that, we see this passage. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And what the amazing thing is, is in the midst of all this destruction, there is a God of grace and a God of mercy who is working out the drama of redemption right before us in the midst of all the waves of chaos. I've referenced this passage a couple of times in this series. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Isn't that interesting? Awake, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming. And what that word really means in the original manuscripts, it means to buy back. Buying back the time because the very days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And the concept I want to present to you today is that because of his love for his children, those whom he's adopted, those whom he's called, God works along with and or in spite of the ripples of death caused by man. All things work together for good. And as they work together for good, we have an opportunity to rise from the dead and redeem the time. I'm going to show you a, a diagram. It's, it's the best way that I can figure out how to describe it. Some of you might not be able to read all of it, but I'm going to explain to you just visually, artistically, how I see this redeeming the time thing playing out. Okay? So we have a couple of things I want to... Let me see if I can find this. Where is this thing? I'm going to follow it up. Boom! There it is. Oh, can't see it on the white. Barely. All right, but I want you to understand that oftentimes we think of time as linear, right? Like, you know, time is a line. But we understand that the mathematical definition of a line is just something without a beginning and an out, without an end. So clearly time cannot be a line. Correct? And so, but I do see we have eternity is kind of a line because there's no beginning and no end to eternity. It's got the past and it's got the future. And let me share with you how time began, I think, as we know it. Time as we know it on earth, this spiral downward. We had the fall of Satan, and then we had the creation of Adam. And remember, we talked about this. The scripture says there are two Adams in the Bible, right? The first Adam, and then the second Adam. Last week, I read to you the passage that said, For by one man sin entered into the world, also by one man the free gift redeems the world. I made reference to the fact that the Scripture teaches that the creation itself is groaning for redemption. Remember, we talked about that last week if you were here. And so in this respect, 
we see what happens. Adam falls, and that, that happens right where the two lines of eternity kind of intersect, right? I'm trying to give you a visual for this. All right, so Adam falls, and once Adam falls, the first Adam, it creates, it begins the countdown to death because God said, you're going to die. You're going to have to work the ground. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be turmoil. Thorns are going to grow up. You'll have to eat the, you're going to have to work for your food now, Adam. And Eve, when you give baby, when you make, when you have babies, it's going to hurt. And there's going to be destruction. And there's going to be death. But then Genesis 3.15 made a prophecy about Christ coming and crushing the serpent's head and all those things. And so what basically happens is the first Adam comes and you see what happens. Time begins to spiral downward. And that's, he creates Adam and Adam's job is supposed to be to keep the earth. He falls and then we wait for the second Adam, Jesus. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes on this earth. He is bound by time just like we are. He is bound by his body. He experiences all the things that we experience, all the pain and all the suffering that is a result of the curse of sin, not only on creation but on man itself. He experiences all those things. He lives through it spotlessly, without sin, without regret, without mistake. And the Scripture calls Him the second Adam. And what the Scripture teaches us is this. Why will the earth be able to be redeemed and recreated? Because of Jesus Christ. There are two creations in the Bible. Did you know that? There's one in the beginning. In the beginning, God created And in the end of the Bible, it says there's a new heaven and a new earth created. That's the redemption of creation. We talked about it last week where it says the scripture says that creation itself groans with pain. And it even calls it birth pangs. And it's awaiting redemption. And God is allowing the earth to go through this turmoil. Why? Because he's working out the story of redemption in the course of human history, in the course of time as we know it. And here's what begins to happen. We see that Jesus comes at the bottom of this circle. And at that point, at that point, what began to happen is these new people were created called the church. What I like to call from a few months back, some of you that were here, I preached a message called Many Redeemers. Here's what is so exciting about waves of grace in the midst of a fallen world. Not only, guys, has God saved you. Not only has he forgiven you, he has transformed you, made you a new creature. What do you think that phrase, he makes you a new creature, means? Just like your face is shiny? Some of y'all are just as ugly as before God saved you. That's not it. Me, I mean. Sorry, not you, Marshall. You're, You're beautiful. So, But you see, Jesus, the second Adam comes, does this work of redemption, and he begins the process of restoration. And basically what happens in the course of human history, through that big circle that you see there, is you see this loop, God endures all this ridiculousness from our own free will, he endures all the trial that we put on the earth, he endures all this pathetic waves of destruction that overwhelm us. He sends his son in the midst of the waves to live a perfect, holy, righteous life. Dies on the cross for the wages of sin is death. The price for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And in the work of Christ, not only does he forgive us, he redeems us and then changes our very nature. In spite of the numerous negative waves and ripples of sin 
that permeate this world, God's sovereign power causes these negative ripples to work together with His own ripples of mercy and grace. And the biggest one was the big brick He threw in the pond called Jesus Christ. And He uses all these things to benefit His chosen children. And we walk into these moments, these ripples of grace and mercy throughout human history. We walk into these moments in time that God has enabled us to fulfill as role of grace wave makers. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And if you look at the original, it really means stumble upon. And I, t- I shared this with you guys before. I think I even mentioned it on Easter Sunday. And when God saves us, when we are His chosen children, He uses these ripples of destruction that other people have created, and He uses all these things, and then He makes His own ripples of grace and mercy, and the Scripture gives us this amazing comfort. For we know that all things work together. Yes, even hurricanes, as destructive and heartbreaking as they are. Tsunamis. Earthquakes. Heinous acts of sin by mankind. Genocide. World wars. Nuclear weapons. All these ways of destruction. Murder. Stealing. Rape. Adultery. Lying. God's grace is so powerful and so amazing that He is able to, in spite of all that stuff, by His love, endure those things so that He can save us and transform us and cause all these things. This is what a masterful symphony director He is. He makes all those things work together for good for those who love Him, for those who are the called according to His purpose. And then in the midst of that, He creates for us good works that we stumble right into. See, God gets all the credit for any waves of mercy and grace that emanate from your life. If in the midst of my ministry, there's some things that happen that are good, that God enables us to impact some people, it's not because of me. Because you know what I originally was before God saved me? A wave, a destruction wave maker. That's what I was. Because I had one thing in mind. I got to get mine. Sometimes I might make it look like it's selfless, but it's really not. And we talked about the fact that how, no matter how good you are, if you try to earn God's favor, all it gets you is more debt. Remember we discussed that, Romans. Eternal life and salvation are a gift, not something you can earn. And so we understand, of course, that God gets all the credit. So we, we establish that foundation, right? So I don't want any of you to be any to have any arrogance about when God uses you that, wow, I did something good. No, God did it through you. It's still a privilege and it's still an awesome feeling, but it has nothing to do with you. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be what? Made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. 
There's these waves where there's waves of sin. There are waves of mercy and waves of grace that just douse it and inundate it and overflow it and drown it. Where sin abounded, grace abounds much more. It wasn't close. It wasn't like 31 to 30 on a last second field goal, grace pulled it out. Yes. No. It's a blowout. It's like 65 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. So as, so as, so that as sin reigned in death, sin, death, sin yielding death, so as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. The end result of sin is, what? The end result of grace is life, eternal life, life that is not bound by what? Time. It's eternal. Minutes, hours, seconds don't matter anymore when we have been redeemed. And how does it happen? Through you being a good Christian? No, it's through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just as by our own free will we threw our rocks into the pond, creating the ripples of pain and death, God, by His free will, and that's why I ended my first sermon, free will, no thank you, I'll take God's will. God, by His free will, has thrown His own rocks of mercy and grace into the pond, creating the ripples of mercy and life. It's interesting that Jesus is the rock. So what do we do with this truth? How do we take this concept of redeeming time and apply it? Remember the original point of the message, the message series was, why do bad things happen? I think we've established it. Sin, destruction, started with Adam and every human since. We have taken our free will and it's a loaded gun pointed at our heads and we don't even know any better. But in spite of all that, God works all things together for those who are the called according to his purpose. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should basically stumble into. And in the midst of all these waves of destruction, these waves of mercy, waves of grace abound a little bit more. No, no. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Okay. So how do we take this? You guys understand, as Christians, those of you who have put... Let me, let me differentiate between church people and Christians. You can be one and not the other. If God has saved you, if there is a relationship with God that you have because at some point you recognize... Holy cow, I'm a sinner. I need grace. And it comes from the work of Christ on the cross. And that connection with God was made. Let me tell you something. You now have this, not only are you forgiven, but you have this unbelievable ability to be a grace wave maker. Because all things work together for good. And if God has saved you, guess what? You're one of the called. 
And if you're one of the called, God is in the midst of your life that's full of waves. And he's saying, I've got much more grace than waves of destruction in your life. Doesn't mean there's not going to be pain. Doesn't mean there's not going to be chaos from time to time. But in the middle of the storms of life, you, as a child of God, have this uncanny ability to tame the sharks. Because God has implanted His very Spirit into your heart and life. What do you think it's there for? To help you pick out the right clothes in the morning? It's there to turn you into a grace wave maker who can buy back the time. And we are part of this process of redeeming the earth and working with God to see those whom He has called come to life. And one day, when time ends for us on this earth, and we have this unbelievable view of God's plan as we are with Him, and we join Him in eternity, we're going to look back and say, wow, what a masterpiece of grace waves you engineered in that world of chaos. And when that happens, every day, things will be newer every morning than they were the day before. That's what it means to be a grace wave maker. Bad things happen in this world, but God has a church that can make waves of grace because of His power and His glory.